0: Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome to your lovely August the 11th. Hopefully everyone's having a fantastic day. Julie and I have been on a lot of really motivational coaching calls throughout the day. I always like having the podcast right after we do our coaching calls because it keeps the energy levels high. And Julie and I are receiving a lot of very interesting questions um, from our coaching clients that are essentially not surprising. The market is quickly changing. The challenges you guys are experiencing are you know, going to get more complicated with more moving parts. And it goes back to what we've been you know, essentially trying to drill in your guys' heads for a long time, that the tools you needed during a seller's market in your toolbox are not the same ones you're going to be using now. And I think some of you guys are realizing what we've been telling you is true. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, so Julie, welcome to the podcast. Yes,
1: thank you. And I would agree, lots of interesting cases and scenarios and negotiations, all kinds of uh, new things that they're having to deal with in this market. So
0: can I be honest from a selfish perspective? Sure. I actually have essentially re-engaged with all coaching calls because they're interesting again. Right, you know I'm with you. They're I mean, know, I totally know what you mean. They're, they're like trying to solve Rubik's Cube, some of these questions and challenges these it guys is, are having. It is interesting, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was so boring having these conversations about there's no inventory. and Ugh. you know, it's like
1: Find some, for the love of God. Right?
0: <laughs> you, you guys are going to be experiencing an <laughs> onslaught of inventory this time next year. The whole market's going to shift. Um, But do understand that there's no, again, I always have to remind myself that not all of you guys are regular listeners. We do this podcast every single day. It's the number one listened to daily podcast for agents in the nation. Um, And yet there's still a few of you that don't listen to us every day. So we are optimistic for the future. But at the same time, we understand that it's going to be very much a bifurcated market. And that's where there's going to be, even in your own market, different seemingly not even relatable markets happening you'll have a buyer's market you'll have a seller's market and then you'll have markets where there's you know somewhere in between you're going to have to become a really good uh expert at cmas and understanding the market gyrations that are going to affect where the pricing goes Uh, and also i'll tell you the other thing it's it's really fascinating for julie and i to watch from an intellectual perspective more than anything is the it seems like there's a big arm wrestling a match going on between whether there's going to be inflation or deflation. A lot of you guys will remember back in 07, 08, 09, there was deflation, right? Properties and well, virtually everything else dropped in value until it didn't, and then it went up again. Well, inflation might be the thing that we are going to see this go around, which means there would be no deflation, and it would just go right to the, essentially, as far as you guys are concerned, housing cost, housing values, inflating so we would skip the deflation phase and we go right to the inflation phase and personally if i had to place my bets that's what i would bet on i would not bet on a deflation phase for housing i would bet on a more protracted well by nothing precipitous like most markets will see a leveling off of uh, price appreciation and then you're going to see inflation kick in we it is possible that you'll see maybe three to six percent deflation but again it won't it's it's not going to be like it was back in 07, 08, 09, but in those same exact markets where there might be, you know, three or four or 5% deflation, you're also going to see massive inflation that's going to happen at the same time. So it's going to be very confusing to know what set of tools you need to be putting in your toolbox when you go out and talk with that seller and buyers are the ones that are going to be the most confused because it's going to be like, you know, five miles from each other. You're going to have two competing neighborhoods. One neighborhood's going to be doing incredibly well while the other isn't. That's the nature of a market like this. Um, So stay close and we're going to be educating you as much as we can, as much as you'll allow us to be over prepared for that market. So today what we're going to be talking about and we're going to be drilling down on is a result of an email that Julie received and she's going to read or at least summarize the email now. And this is from a premier coaching member.
1: That's right. This is I, I call her Tracy in Texas because she's a great coaching member. She comes to virtually all of the premier coaching calls with really intelligent questions. And she's got some good experience herself. She says, uh, she writes in an email, Julie, here's the scenario. I have a listing referral. Uh, came in July from a friend, neighbor, dog trainer, so center of influence type of referral. Here's what I've done so far. Immediately sent an introduction, followed up with uh, why choose me as your realtor? Prospect was responsive, shared his uh, projected mid to late August listing date. Mentioned wanting to interview several agents. Uh, I dropped off the pre-listing package, positive response, described it as, quote, impressive. Thanks, Tim and Julie. I updated regularly with relative market uh, neighborhood issues. Okay, so keeping in the loop. Last Wednesday, he asked me for a CMA, comparative market analysis. I went beyond and generated a graph that shows showings and price ranges, et cetera. We did a Zoom call to go over the CMA, doing facts, not just numbers. It all went quite well, I think. I, he said I impressed him, set the bar high though. Yada, yada, yada. But he still wants to do due diligence and interview two other agents since he said he would from the beginning.
0: Okay, so we're going to level off yep. there. Here's what's going on, and Julie's going to read on. Well, and
1: she has her own self diagnostic. Well, let's listen to her self diagnostic. Okay? But you want me to predict it? Go ahead. Here,
0: number one, she did not know a thorough understanding of A, what the seller's motivation was. And she may have thought if she did because she just maybe asked the question, but she didn't drill down and find out if there's any cursory motivations. Mm-hmm. She probably didn't know what the seller's house was worth. Uh, I'm sorry, what he owed, and she didn't ask if maybe he had secondary mortgages or other liens on the property. Mm-hmm. But the motivation thing really is the ultimate trump card in deciphering or decoding this yeah. Rubik's cube, right? I,
1: I would agree that probably the step that was skipped, when we're going to talk about the seven-step listing process, was the drill down pre-qualification, which would have helped. But here's what uh, her self-diagnostic, here's the problem, I did not, in my opinion, close. I missed the opportunity to hone in on why two more weeks before the listing. Okay, so again, why two more weeks before listing? That's motivation and what he's looking for in an agent, that's part of our presentation, to check off his list and show him I'm the one. I asked him if he had any questions, concerned, and anything I can answer. Again, he remarked on my thoroughness, et cetera. Truth, I've had good feelings on appointments and good feelings don't equal good outcomes. I got. I have to get this listing and move my meter. Help I
0: me. Like, I like Tracy. I, I know just, she's great. I no, changed. she is great. She's. You see what she did there in that she's statement? She's being very honest. She's yes. removing emotions from facts. She's That's not just right. basing it on what she feels like. She's basing it on actual drilled down business stuff. That's it. This lady is going to go far in her career, no Absolutely. doubt.
1: Absolutely. And she goes on to say, I don't want to appear too, and I hear this all the time from agents, I don't want to appear too desperate or pushy. He seems to be the type that could be driven away if I lambast through his wishes and is set on interviewing other agents. A couple of times I've tried to push it, but he comes back with, quote, as I said before, uh, not in a rude way, but I think it's his hint that his way is his way. Very gracious, but still. I've been looking for a legitimate reason to reach back out to him, hoping to see new activity in his neighborhood, uh, do a bomb-bomb video, maybe see if my friend can snoop around the referral. Uh, I just don't know and I feel like I dropped the ball didn't do the Sharpie close. Now that I've exhausted you, take a breath and a glass of water and let me know your thoughts.
0: Well, so it, the bit, last bit's the bottom line. You didn't close him, Tracy, at the closing, at the listing appointment. You didn't use the because Sharpie close. she
1: didn't do the prequel and didn't know the motivation to close him with.
0: And you didn't, uh, again, you need to get into Harris Learning and Julie's going to read the seven-step listing process. No. You need to get into Harris Learning And you need to listen to all the audio training that Julie and I did on this. Because the other thing that would have obviously helped you is if you'd been last on this listing appointment. But let's say, for example, let's just reset the table here. And by the way, you still might get this listing. I agree. But my spidey census tells me this guy was price shopping. He was looking for the agent that was going to tell him the highest price. So Tracy, I don't know the answer to this. You didn't say it in your email. Did you tell him the list price at the listing appointment? I don't think she did. Okay, I because you never range. give the seller a list price at the listing appointment unless they're signing the listing contract. You give them a range because if you give them a price, they're just going to shop your price, especially in a bizarro parallel universe market like what we're experiencing. And some agent, usually an agent with lesser experience or mm-hmm. one that's you know maybe being a little bit more aggressive than you, is going to walk in, tell them a higher price, get the listing, placate the seller that it's the right price, and then get a price reduction in two weeks because you should not have ever be giving a price, give a price range until you have the contract signed. And when they press you and they say, what's the price of my house, what's it worth? Well, Mr. Seller, in this market, at this very moment, the house is worth between this and this. Now the reason, you know it's I can comfortably let's say it's worth, let's say right now the house has a real strong value of 300 grand. Mr. Seller, realistically, that because of all the turbulence that's happening everywhere in society and the you know, economy and whatnot, the house could be worth anywhere from 285 all the way up to 325, maybe even 330. And what will adjust that or will change it, to, you know, up or down depends on interest rates, depends on the, you know, everything that's going on in the news, people's confidence,
1: competition on competition, the competition on the
0: right. There could be a big sell. There could be an employer that between now and when you decide to list the house, uh, announce that they're having a whole bunch of layoffs, and that's going to cause prices to obviously adjust downward. Or there could be an employer that n- announces a whole bunch of hiring, and that could cause. So, Mr. Seller. In this market, this is the range. Um, so ideally, how soon do you want to have this property sold, and then move them forward? But by not using the sharpie close, that's where you ultimately lost this listing. You should have uh, a tried to go, have gone in last. B done a more thorough pre-qualification on this seller, finding out their time frame, their motivation. Like you don't, you didn't say in your email. Was this just a downsizer, I, or was this someone? That, was this an older person that maybe was moving because of health problems? Was this somebody who was maybe moving because of financial problems and they didn't want to let you know? I mean, these are the types of things that if you follow our scripts, Tracy and everybody else, all you've got to do is just read what we've written and just fill in the blanks. Our pre-qualification script is, in essence, a form. It's giving you you, where you write in the answers in little blanks, right? And then the pre-listing pack, which it sounds like you did send that, um, you obviously get that out every time prior to the listing appointment, and you heard the, you know, essentially the seller's reaction. But after that, if you didn't follow our listing pr- uh, presentation, which only once you're at the seller's house might last a half hour, but you can usually make it last less than that. It's not a rush to get out the quickest. I'm just saying realistically. If you follow the Sharpie close, you would have, having actually done your 100% of your job prior to going to the appointment, you would have gotten the contract signed. And I know this, Mm -hmm. and Tracy, you know this because you're a coaching client, because you hear people on the semi-private coaching calls who are brand new agents who the ink hasn't even dried on their licenses, but they follow our process exactly without deviating or adding their own little sugar and spice to the mix, and they're taking listings, right?
1: I I think there's another layer to this, too, and I think these guys might be suffering from this a little more on Zoom calls, is... I believe she trusted and just basically, the seller asked for a CMA via Zoom and that's what she delivered and that's fine, but because she didn't have the facts from the pre-qualification, it wasn't a real listing presentation. And I remember you and I learned that, that even if they say, hey, I just wanna know what the price is, or "I just help me market it, help me stage it. What, What should I do to get it on the market? Okay, that's all fine and you can help them with that, but you have to do the full, you know, you have to cover your bases with asking motivation and time frame. When would you like if we're showing all of those things and not only answering the one thing they asked you about. You have to be more thorough to cover your bases. That way they're easier to close. Remembering that the definition of close is the logical ending to a great presentation, not just a piece of a presentation.
0: Right. So seven step lesson process, yes. Mrs. Harris.
1: Yes. And I'm not going to go through all of this because it's pretty long, but um, here's the mindset. Then I'll do the the steps, okay? So the listing agent's seven P's are this. Profit comes from previewing, pre-qualifying, preparing the PLP, that's the pre-listing package, and a polished professional presentation. And then I said, prayer doesn't hurt either.
0: Julie, holy tamale, how many more P's can you fit in that sentence? Well,
1: it helps them to remember. (laughs) Profit comes from these things, okay, for example. Okay, um, step number one, generate the lead. For some of our listeners, the rest of it doesn't apply to them yet because they don't know how to generate listing leads. Okay, so step one is generate the lead. Step two is follow up with urgency, follow our 18 relentless lead follow-up rules, furiously fast lead follow-up. Step three is pre-qualify. This is what we were just talking about, pre-qualify using the script, which is basically a question checklist. Uh, pre-qualify for motivation and time frame, and pre-qualify 100% of your leads, buyer and seller, 100% of the time using 100% scripting, okay? Not different rules for different people. I don't care if it's your mom and you pretty much think you know why maybe she wants to sell, you still have to ask the questions. And in the pre-listing, uh, I'm sorry, in the pre-qualification script, you're gonna find answers to their time frame, motivation. Are they buying as well? Are they speaking with other agents? If so, how many and who are they and how do they decide? The price that they have in mind and why, then you've got step number four: send the pre-listing package. Number five: confirm the appointment. Number six is present; it's showtime. Remember that presenting begins at the time you convert the prospect from a prospect into an appointment. That's why you're calling to confirm the appointment. You're, you know, showing up ahead of time, etc. And then step number seven: I have a lot of discussion about this in the premier coaching uh, calls. Tim is close. Some of our, some of them get really good at the first steps. And then they forget to close
0: closing is guys there is no stress when you follow our listing presentation when it it's so much easier i'm going to just reel this back just ever so slightly when you send a pre-listing pack prior to going in the listing appointment in the pre-listing pack do not change our pre-listing pack do not reformat it do not change the titles of the pages do not change the order in which the pages are presented all the pages should be waterfalled inside the folders just exactly like we designed it All of that stuff, there's absolute art and science behind every single thing that went in there, trialed and tested across the country from every price range and every market condition. The reason that, for example, I'll drill down on this one specific thing I just said, and then we're gonna go back to the importance of making sure you don't skip any of these steps. The reason that you wanna have the pre-listing pack formatted in the water, you know, only Premier Coaching members, I know everyone else, you don't know what I'm talking about. Your fault for not being a Premier Coaching member. But the Premier Coaching members What you're going to do is you're going to have the pages formatted inside the folders like we designed it because that means that when you get to the seller's house, when you're following our listing presentation, you're supposed to. We tell you exactly what to do. Knocking on the door, the door opens, and the you know seller standing there, and you're supposed to say, "Mr. Seller, before I take another step in your house, I want you to know that I'm 100% committed to getting into your home sold." Now, show me the kitchen table. You're supposed to, in some cases, take your shoes off. You know, depending on the situation, that's always usually a good idea. If they're not wearing shoes in their house, you have to take your shoes off as well. Otherwise, you're gonna just feel like some sort of intruder in their house as you're clomping around your heels. Again, I'm not going to drill down on all this. There's a lot of little micro steps I'm skipping. You go to the kitchen table, you put your stuff down, then you you know you ask to go on a tour. Tracy, did you do any of this? You then ask, you grab your uh, digital recorder. Tracy, did you grab a digital recorder with a red diode, a red light, so they could see your recording? You ask permission to record while you're walking around the house, asking them questions that would be relevant to the prospective buyers that you're going to be bringing through the house. You see how I'm starting to do nice little subtle closes? Then when you're walking around the seller's house with this diode, you know, shining red, bright eyed, right? And you're asking the sellers these questions. You're going to ask them types of questions they're going to be relevant to, like I said, prospective buyers, but also for, as you're going to explain to them, when you're making the brochures and the marketing for the property. And you say that. So Mr. Seller, when I'm working on the marketing and I'm telling other people about the property, these are the types of questions they're going to be answering or asking me. So please answer these questions thoroughly as we're walking around. And they'll agree. They'll say, that's great. You guys And you'll be the
1: only one who bothered to ask and bothered to care and showed interest in their home. Remember how many times uh, the sellers that chose us would say, you are the only ones who seem to be enthusiastic about the house or enthusiastic about our situation. You seem to, you know, like really care about what was going on. And I thought, God, how can you show up to a listing appointment and not have enthusiasm? But
0: They're nervous and ill-prepared and yeah. don't know what the hell they're doing. That's why.
1: Well, we were too, but <laughs> yeah. at least we were happy about it. Right. <laughs> oh,
0: Julie's actually shining light on something really critical. If you are uh, completely talentless and skillless, if you have energy and enthusiasm, you'll probably still win.
1: That's true. <laughs> even if it's a result of nerves. Well, it certainly did for us.
0: That's, you know, we sold over a hundred houses our first year in real estate when we were basically in our early twenties. And I assure you, it wasn't from you know, overpowering intellect or, you know, some power sort of social connections or, or power closing. It was know. mostly because of energy enthusiasm. And they liked us and all the agents we were competing against were essentially like watching paint dry. You know,
1: yeah, a little that, assumptive too, I think.
0: Yeah, they were. They took the business for granted. Yeah. Well, so in any event, when, back to the listing process here. This is all part of the presentation. So when you're working, walking around the seller's house, you want them to brag about what they're proud about. Because remember, this is something that they love. Emotionally, this is where they raise their families and they have their memories and they have the rest of it. They are still emotionally attached to this house and so you need to get them to brag on the house and get them to do it with enthusiasm. And then what's going to happen is emotionally, they're going to start attaching you to that emotion of enthusiasm and excitement and all the rest of it. I know this is a little complex for some of you. That's the reason you sign up for coaching. But in the process of walking around, Mr. Seller, how old is the hot water tank? Mr. Seller, I noticed there's new tile in the bathroom. Did you, you know, how old, all that stuff, right? Right. And then you ask soft-close questions. So between the time you start your little walk-around journey and the time you're back at the kitchen table, your goal is to ask at least five times, you know, if the house is smaller, maybe three times. Mm-hmm. If the house is big, maybe seven to 10 times. You're supposed to ask some soft-close questions. For example, Mr. Seller, how early in the day can I, let, um, can I show the house to buyers? Mr. Seller, ideally, how soon do you, remind me, Mr. Seller, ideally how soon do you want this property sold? Um, you know, Mr. Seller, what are your feelings about doing open houses? All those types of questions. Mr. Seller, do you have any pictures that I can use that are maybe from different seasons, right? You know, maybe snow pictures, fall pictures, if you have four seasons, those types of things. And then when you get back to the kitchen table, what's then happened? You basically have had a tour of the house. They've liked you. You've liked them. They've rec- And because here's the magic of this silly recorder, right? And by the way, I stumbled across this idea on accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I discovered all this. What I'm describing for you, Julie and I created mostly on accident from going on a bazillion listing appointments. Then you set, you, you, the recording's over. They've essentially, what? Subconsciously, possibly, multiple times have already answered questions that's similar to those that someone who had already listed the property would have been asking. So psychologically, by the time you sit back down at the kitchen table, you're already over the threshold as far as um, them emotionally seeing you as their listing agent. You see what we did? Jedi mind trick stuff here, but not really, okay? So when you're sitting back at the kitchen table, then Tracy and everybody else, you get further into the weeds about the actual listing presentation. And we call it the Sharpie Close. Because what the Sharpie close was, again, was created just from the you know brute force of having to go sometimes on two and three listing appointments a day. And um, frankly, we got sick of doing it. So we wanted to condense it and make it so that it wasn't about anything other than what was most important to them. So the Sharpie close is this. And this is all copyrighted. So if any of you guys try to swindle our stuff, trust me when I tell you we won't let it I'm go. I'm giving by. you
1: the evil eye right now about that. Well, like me? Giving away the... No, it's no, fine. It's so, okay. so what I have, happens? I do have to go talk to them.
0: Is, right. So the Sharpie close. We got a little bit of time, right? So the Sharpie close essentially works, and it's all part of the premier listing coach. This is all part of the listing process. You're going to ask them. You're going to sit back down. You're going to pull out a yellow tablet of paper and a red Sharpie pen. Thus the name. And you're going to say, Mister Seller. Um, you know, you've known at this point that you. By the way, I'm skipping a whole bunch of little micro steps that all matter. Like you're going to ask for the pre-listing pack that you dropped off. You're going to open it. You're going to see what quest, what pages they pulled out of the pre-listing pack, because that already tells you what's most important to them. If they pulled out the commission page, and the pages are stuffed in the folder in such a way, it's very difficult to put them back in. So sellers never do. So what they'll do is they'll leave the pages out loose, and then you'll immediately have an indication of what. Um, was important to them. And in our pre-listing pack, you're also supposed to send over with the pre-listing pack, you know, 10 or 20 questions that they're to use when interviewing you and you're to use when it, when, when they're using, they can use the same questions when interviewing other realtors. Now, let me tell you, I hope you understood what I just said. We are giving you a list of the worst questions you would ever want to have asked of you and we're giving you the answers because we want the seller to use those questions when interviewing your prospective competitors because the prospective competitors will not know how to answer the questions and the sellers will see that the prospective competitor for you uh, was <laughs> yeah. at was trying to wing it and fake.
1: Well, that's massively an unfair advantage. Exactly to our trained agents, you know. And <laughs> the
0: questions are already answered for you, so you're gonna. So it just it's, it's already written. I it, do have to run. Okay, so Julie's going to premiere coaching, right? And
1: that's so kick ass. It's not even funny. I know. You know what happens is you're. Don't used- you want to go
0: on a listing appointment right I know.
1: now? You're you're making me motivated. <laughs> um, What happens is our trained agents are used to going in, knowing all these things, and you know, it's a very predictable outcome because you've done the seven step process, right? Okay, so your competition comes in the door and instead the tables are turned on them and the seller says to them, I've got 19 questions for you written down. Let's get started. (laughs) Okay, true story.
0: And Julie, you can go go to Premier Coaching. Yeah, Yeah. so true story. Here's what you'll discover, and we hear from this all of our seasoned uh, uh, grizzled veteran agents that have been with us for ages, is you're going to walk into um, a listing appointment (laughs) <laughs> and you're going to, um, I just am laughing because I keep on telling myself I'm going to lubricate the door as Julie leaves the studio so it won't make that squeaking noise, but I never do. <laughs> That'll just become a characteristic of the daily podcast, the squeaking door when Julie walks to her office to do premier coaching. Um, but here's the thing with these uh, the questionnaire, for example. You're going to walk into seller's houses and the seller is going to have used because you're going to always want to position yourself to be last, right? So let's say you're competing against two or three other agents that you will walk into the house and you'll see that the seller used the questionnaire when interviewing other agents and the questionnaire you're going to see their chicken scratches where they wrote down the other agents answers. And you will never see the seller get much past the third or the fourth question because by that time, they'll realize that the agent was winging it. For example, your list to sell price ratio. That's the first question, Mr. You know, this is again the seller interviewing agents. Mr. Agent, what is your list to sell price ratio? Now, underneath the question that only the seller can see, right? Because this is a form. It says, you know, Tim and Julie's list to sell price ratio. I think ours was. In other words, if we listed a house for $100,000, it would sell for 99,400. You can find out what yours is from the MLS. If you don't have a list to sell price ratio, you can use your office's list to sell price ratio. So opposed to saying Tim and Julie's list to sell price ratio is, you would say our list to sell price ratio is, right? So you're gonna have the answer. Tim and Julie's list to list sell price ratio is 99.4%. The average list to sell price ratio in the overall MLS is was 97.2%. I even remember that from a million years ago, right? And now, So what you're doing is you're giving the seller the question and then you're telling them what your answer is and you're telling them what the average for the MLS is. So when that agent is asked that question, they might completely, totally fumble on the question. They won't know the answer to the question because they don't think like that because they're not professional drilled down. They're not being coached like you guys are to win, right? You following me here? Or they're going to say a number that they think sounds good, when, but the seller is going to sniff out that they're faking. They're making it up. And then you're going to see the next question, and the next question, and the next question. And you can use all of our questions, there's 20 of them, or you can scale it back. But don't just use the easy questions. Use the ones that are designed to basically be the knockout punches, okay? And when you use those questions in the order in which we've asked them, and you're at the seller's house, Tracy and everyone else, and you're looking at the form that the seller has used to interview other agents, like I said, you will see consistently they don't get much past the third or the fourth question Because at that point, the seller has already decided they're not going to list with the agent based on the hack job they're doing, answering the questions. That's it. That's called an unfair advantage and that's what you want in the marketplace. Why not? That's part of our pre-listing pack. That's part of the listing process. That's part of what we teach you guys to do in our premier coaching program. (laughs) Notice we're not talking about TikTok videos. We're not talking about Instagram. We're not talking about Facebook posts. We're not talking about branding. We're not talking about team building. We're talking about skills, and we're talking about winning. That's ultimately what the job is. And guys, don't be fooled into thinking there is no such thing as competition. That's one of those touchy-feely thoughts that is not based in reality. Everything is competitive. Every single thing, everybody around you, every animal, every everything is in constant state of competition. That's the way this planet and our current state of reality is designed. It's not a social you know, thing. It's just a reality. We're all in competition. So for you to go on a listing appointment after all the work you put into it to get there, even if you're going on a listing appointment with someone you know, you have set aside lots of time, energy, effort, and then for you not to take the listing – 10 times out of 10, needs to be seen for what it is, you failed. So many of you accept losing 50% of the time. That is insane. Why would you ever set yourself up to only have a 50% chance of winning and the, and the agents do that all the time because they wing it. Or a lot of you listening, what you'll do is you'll take a little bit of your broker's presentation, a little bit of your neighbor's presentation, a little bit of your you know listing presentation, and you'll sort of patchwork quilt it together, and then you're going to be falling into the 50-50 ratio if you're lucky. And, and it's only mostly because you're going on listing appointments with your centers of influence and past clients. You will never have the guts to go and start competing for the real business with people you don't know because of the fact you don't have a presentation and you know it and you know you're gonna get your butt handed to you. You need to be the butt hander, not the butt receiver. You guys kidding me on all of this? That's what we teach you to do in Premier Coaching. That's what we're all about. We want you to run a very competitive, profitable real estate business that's always focused on being a service to other people because what is our whole presentation that I just sort of gave you a fast overview over? What is it doing? It is helping that seller make the decision who they should be listing with, based on facts, not based on emotions or not based on social connections, based on actual real numbers. You're not going to make up the numbers on your uh, your pre-listing pack or the questionnaire thing. You're going to reuse your real statistics. So you're trying to put that seller in a position to make the most informed decision. That'll put them in the best, give them the best possible outcome. That's what professionals do. Is this resonating with some of you? Oh, I know it is. I mean, I'm genuinely excited. If I could, people ask us all the time if we were to get back into real estate, which we haven't been in real estate, selling real estate forever other than our own properties, what would we do? And I'll tell you right now, and this is why I'll always say, I would 100% focus on listings. We would 100% focus on obviously proactive lead generation. Um, and that's what we would do and we would just you know Julie and I would follow our plan exactly because we know that would make us and depending on the market potentially millions of dollars per year It is a proven plan this is not something we're not asking you to plug into our system and then for you to modify it or come up with your own version we're not saying you look guys you don't have the experience to know how to put your own presentation together you don't have the experience to know how to put your own pre listing pack together to know how to compete for a listing you just don't have that experience and it's not your fault. You just haven't been in the business long enough. You haven't had enough af- up to bats. After you've been in the business for 20 or 25 years, start your own coaching program. You'll have had your own experience at that point. But until you do, why would you wing it? Why would you you know, essentially lock in a very low success rate? Just copy, emulate, do exactly what we ask you to do as part of the premier coaching program. Ultimately, guys, it removes ego, but it also adds profit. By following what we've created for you, some of you immediately are going to find that objectionable. That's fine. You're not going to make for a good coaching client. Don't sign up. Coaching clients are the ones that want to follow a professional path forward and they want to get to the top of the mountain the quickest. The worst types of coaching clients are the ones that are going to be the samplers. They're going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be challenged. They want everything to be sort of wistful. In other words, just happen because the ebbs and flows and whatever, whatever, whatever. They're not taking a professional business approach to their business. You guys ultimately will never be the best option for sellers because you've never allowed yourselves to drill down and become the best version of yourselves as a listing agent. Does this make sense? I know it does because it's just sort of, you know, practical, commonsensical kind of stuff, isn't it? So guys, listen, we are incredibly enthusiastic about the changing market. We really are. Because it's going to create so much opportunity for a majority of you who've been locked out of some of the best opportunities in real estate. Uh, Because frankly, a lot of the people that, like when Julie and I, we started moving to, we we started in a normal price range in Columbus, Ohio, and then we moved to an area where the price range was really high end. The price range and the the nature of the people, Okay, our practice, our product, our content, our presentations, our scripts, our everything translated perfectly from selling normal price houses to selling really expensive houses. There was no difference in how we did business and the sellers loved it and embraced it. The point being is it does not matter what market you're in, don't convince yourself Just because you're selling luxury that somehow you don't have to be professional. Don't convince yourself that the luxury seller doesn't expect you to be equally as drilled down. They do even more than the lower-end seller because they themselves probably had to you know, earn it themselves, they've gotten to where they are because they essentially created their own financial reality from hard work and they will, game smells game and they're going to appreciate the fact that you have a pre-listing pack, that you're following a listing presentation, that you're trying to close them, that you're following a process with the goal of getting a consistent result of them signing the listing contract. The higher in the seller, the more the seller appreciates somebody who approaches real estate like we do, like you should, and many of you already do. That's the reality of the whole thing. It's exciting, guys. Please be excited because when you do decide, some of you are saying, I'd love to sell luxury. I'd love to move up market. You know, and a lot of you guys have been locked out because there's been very dominating agents in those particular markets. And there hasn't even been enough breadcrumbs for you to pick up on for you to you know get anything other than the occasional buyer. But in a market like this, those agents are the easiest to displace because of the fact that they adapt the slowest. They will not take a drill down approach. They will not have a pre-listing pact. They will just rely on their old, you know, uh, essentially you know, homegrown social connections. And those social connections, what happens? Centers of influence and past client agents are the ones that are, you know, that's their sole, you know, their lead generation spoke. They're the ones that suffer the most in a market like this because their centers of influence and past clients are not just going to list with them anymore because of the fact that they know them from church or from school or whatever. Because those sellers are going to be apprehensive to list with someone who ha- does not have a proven track record or at least a professional approach to real estate. So the Center of Influence and Past Client Agent just shows up as some, assuming they're going to get the listing because they've been dropping off pumpkin pies the last you know 14 Novembers in a row and other little tchotchkes and things like that. And they're going to show up at the seller's house and they're not going to be ready to compete The seller maybe has some financial issues, maybe has some, you know, who knows what's going on because... A turbulent fast-changing economy and housing market it's going to create all kinds of headwinds all kinds of new challenges like we said you need to restock your toolbox the new set of tools centers of influence and past client agents they're not going to do it generally speaking they're going to show up being affable being nice hoping that their social connections are going to win them the listing the seller is going to give them the time of day and then you're going to show up and you're going to take a very business approach you're going to be very drilled down you're going to answer their questions completely you're going to explain to them the essentially how it works in a changing market market, let alone a buyer's market in most cases, they're going to list with you. How do I know that's true? Because we have thousands and thousands of coaching clients over the last forever that have proven, and not to mention our own experience, that's what happens. But you have to earn the right to be at the table in the first place. And that comes from you knowing what to say and how to say it. It comes from you being a professional. Look, you guys might not ever be able to compete on the social connections and all the rest of it. Julie and I never could. We didn't have enough social connections, especially in the high end. We had to do it based on, you know, essentially what I've just been describing to you. Ability to prove that we're the best choice. Not allowing the seller to be, I, I think, persuaded just because they have social connections with this other agent. And there's lots of scripts that we can teach you, lots of things we can say to you th- that you can say to the seller that will help them to understand the importance, especially in a turbulent market, of listing with the most qualified, skilled agent, not just the one that they know socially. And they're going to embrace that. And those, trust me when I tell you guys, there's never been a better time. When Julie and I got in the real estate business, it, and when we were selling real estate, there virtually was no appreciation. It was, if for anything, it was a flat market. and It stayed like that almost the whole time we sold real estate. And then, essentially, when we started coaching full-time, then we started seeing in different pockets of the country, we started seeing seller's markets. You know, this was back in the late 90s. And then you saw the markets come and go, come and go, and then nationwide, it became a seller's market. The nationwide seller's market, guys, is, is and frankly was, a phenomena of only maybe the last four or five years. That's never happened before like it did. There were you know they're called B and C markets. Like where Julie and I sold real estate was technically like a B market, Columbus, Ohio. Whereas if you were out in San Francisco, that would've been considered an A market. It demographics, costs, all the things, right? You know it had a lot to do with an old set of rules that frankly no longer apply with regards to how real estate is valued from a you know an investor's perspective. But what we saw was the A markets would take off and they would appreciate it. and we'd have coaching clients in those markets or experience, you know, frothy sellers markets. But then you started seeing all these other markets that had never really been experiencing you know, a kind of hot uh, appreciation and then it spread nationwide. Now, the same thing is going to happen in reverse around the country and it already is. The upper, those, you know, those traditional A markets that everyone thinks of, you know, certain parts of LA, Southern California, San Diego, you know, Miami, New York, all those markets, guys, are in reverse right now. All of them are in reverse. The whole thing now is swinging the other direction. And you're going to see those other markets, the B and the C markets, those prices are going to start falling as well, or they're going to level off and they're not going to appreciate but in yet in some of those markets, you are going to see these little tiny, you know, I, I could only call them sprouts of appreciation that might happen because an employer is you know decided to hire a bunch of new people or like I was reading in. Um, Texas, Laredo, I think. Tesla is going to be building their trucks there. And I read some other big manufacturing things going to be happening in some, you know, kind of dusty old town in Texas. Somebody else is going to be hiring a gazillion people and putting in a ton of money in this local economy. Well, you could be in a part of Texas where basically, you know, houses never sell, which isn't the case now, but you could be. And yet, you know, two, you know, towns over, you have that going on. I remember when the housing market uh, crashed back in 07. Um, you ha- we had Lance and Karen Kenmore and we still have them as great coaching client uh, clients in Kennewick Washington well everyone else was basically licking their wounds getting ready for more depreciation and their market was booming why because in Kennewick Washington the major employer was um, I forget all this you know the gist of it was is an old half-refurb nuclear power plant I can't believe I remember that they were in the process of essentially um you know cleaning it up and you know there the government had put billions of dollars into I forget what the actual term for it is but essentially decommissioning I think is what it was and so they were hauling in and hiring and building and all this crazy stuff so all the while in the world in the United States the wheel was coming off in the wheels were coming off the real estate you know car and not in in, you know and Karen's market and then you saw another boom happen up in South Dakota of all places. And then you're seeing booms that happen in places like, you know, in uh, in Iowa and just all these different things. But in and yet you guys are sort of, you know, there is no national market is what I'm trying to tell you. So you're going to have to get really good at knowing what tools to put in your toolbox. And the only way ultimately for you to win in a changing market is to have a professional drilled down approach. As far as I know, in the real estate industry, there's nobody that's teaching what we're teaching, how we're teaching it. Everybody else is focused on primary, primarily what Julie and I would call gimmicks, social networking, uh, all these other types of things. They want to focus. They're focusing on that because, frankly, that stuff is easy and fun to talk about. What is easier for me to talk about in a podcast, listeners, how to basically get a, you know Instagram to you know generate a, a hypothetical buyer lead that probably will never buy I'm, just because you created some sort of funny little video of you and your dog? I mean, trust me when I tell you that's a hell of a lot easy, easier to explain, right, to talk about. You guys want to hear it because there's no rejection involved. There's no skills involved or basically what we do. The reason that we do what we do, even though, frankly, we could probably sell more coaching contracts if we did the gimmicky stuff, but we won't, is because we wanna build agents who are gonna be in the business for generations. Not one of the 85% of all agents that fail out of the business within 18 months. The 18 month failure rate has to be from the inferior education that most agents are receiving. Because if they lock into what we're asking them to do, agents, you guys listening right now, and you do what we ask you to do, with very little deviations in what we're asking you to do, you, in other words, you actually follow through on the system that we've created, it, I, I'm not going to tell you you have a hundred percent success rate because that would be impossible. But the probability of you failing is diminished greatly because you're following in the exact footsteps of literally thousands of other agents that have come before you who have become some of the nation's most successful real estate agents. You guys hear it? Inman's doing articles on us. You know our book is a bestseller. This podcast is the number one daily listen to podcast. Why is that? <laughs> right? It's because what we're telling you works. It's because you guys are looking for an answer, not another answer. You're looking for the answer. And chances are, this is it. So I appreciate the uh, question, Tracy. It was fun. You uh, helped Julie and I thought, think of a topic for the podcast. We always appreciate that. If you guys have any questions, if you guys have any comments, if you want us to help you with anything, um, please email, or rather not email, <laughs> who emails, right? Please text me, 512-758-0206. Just text me 512-758-0206 and we might use your question uh, on the podcast or we might just simply answer your question, as is most is what we do mostly. Premier Coaching members, make sure you're using all the assets. You guys are going to need to be learning at a quicker pace. We have 24-hour coaching on demand. We have at least a half hour, sometimes an hour worth worth of daily semi-private coaching. We give you all the presentations. We tell you what to say and how to say it. Tracy and everyone else, make sure you're logging into Harris Learning. You're reading. You're listening. You're doing all the watching. You're consuming the content. Do it like it, your life depended on it. Do it as if your future financial self depends on it because it does. Okay? So take full advantage of what we're offering, guys. In the meantime, if you need me for anything, Text me at 512-758-0206. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.